Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. Uh, really excited about our guest today, uh, Pierre LaRouche. And then we're going to also talk sports. Well, you say talk sports? Well, it's been a dream of mine to talk about two things I haven't been able to talk about in uh, a long time since I have been doing uh, radio and television. I've been sticking to straight education. Well, the Neil Haley Show is about everything. We're going to talk to politicians. We're going to talk to educators still. But we're going to talk about the, the hottest topics, the news, sports, and everything. Nothing is not open to the Neil Haley Show now. And especially with having an author's show for over four years, I've talked about topics on my author's show that go from the variety of dating to uh, self-help to entrepreneurship uh, sports, talking sports. I've had some unbelievable interviews with people from Triumph Books, and that just came up that I thought of that. Hey, we'll definitely have some Triumph book authors on the program, hopefully some big politicians. I guess the opening up with Pierre LaRouche, that's unbelievably fantastic. And then we're going to talk about things. What do you think of what's happening with the Penguins? What are your predictions of the Steelers? Because I have my sports perspective, and hopefully we'll have those people on this show, but it will vary. Neil Haley's show will be about everything and everything. And uh, for like the next week, we have a fracking author on that's going to talk about not the pros of fracking, but the cons of fracking. So you can go to my website, tolter.net, and uh, tune in. I'm really excited to be all over the world with television and radio now doing simulcast broadcasts, it's perfect because, uh, as my old co-host Jared says, I have a face for radio. Well, I'm going to try to see, I see some of these people on television, especially if you watch Fox's Five, I think I'm better looking than Bob Beckel. So you let me know, audience, and uh, this is the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back to talk to Pierre LaRouche in just a moment. Judge Ron Arnone and Judge Guy Rushenthaler present the darker side of technology with cyber crimes expert James Deal. Wednesday, September 24th, 7.30 p.m., Bethel Park High School Auditorium. For information on the event, you can go to Ron Arnone District Justice Facebook page and you can learn more details about the event. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Simulcast Radio TV interview for the Neil Haley Show. 
I'm so excited to be part of this broadcast. You can go to my website, totaltutor.net, for more information. Twitter, Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, and Pinterest, Neil Haley. And I'm so excited to welcome the program. I've never had a Pittsburgh Penguin on. I get all Steelers, all these NFL, NBA players. But I want to welcome the program, Pierre LaRouche, former Penguin. Pierre, how are you? I'm doing great, Neil. Yourself? Oh, I'm doing awesome. It's a Friday, and I get to talk to a legend like yourself. Now, Pierre, for our audience out there that did not see you play, can you give us a little bit of your background? Uh, certainly. Uh, I, was drafting, I was drafted by the Penguins uh, out of junior hockey. I, I played for the Sorrel Blackhawks. I was drafted eight overall in 1974. I played four years for the Penguins. Uh Went to play for the Montreal Canadiens for another four years, going to Stanley Cup there. Finished with the New York Rangers for six years, for a total of 14 years. Uh, back to Pittsburgh in 95. Uh, Mario Lemieux bought the team in 99 and uh, asked me if I could do some work for him. And uh, I've been with him since, since then, and we won a cup in 209, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll add some more coming up in a couple of years. Well, absolutely, uh, Pierre. And uh, from that career of yours, what would you say was one of your greatest highlights playing hockey? Well, as a kid back home in Amos, Quebec, when you play outside and skate around, you just dream of playing NHL hockey. So for me, that was the first game I played in Minnesota. It was, uh, you know, the dream come true. So for me, my, my highest you know, moment in NHL is my first game. Yeah, the, the, that uh, it's the first game, but all those great career highlights. How many years did you have fifty goals? You were fifty. I scored. I scored fifty goals twice. If you don't mind me saying, I was the only uh, center in the Montreal Canadiens history ever score fifty goals in a season. I also have the record for forty-eight for the New York Rangers. And uh, whatever I did in Pittsburgh, there was a guy named Marlon Mew that took care of all of that. So, <laughs> but I was the first pang. I was the first pang would ever get on his point. So that that stayed. That's not too bad. All right. Well, awesome. So, um, Pierre, when you were ready to retire, how hard was it to get life after hockey? Tell us specifically when you were ready to go. If uh, the, the transition was that difficult. Well, what happened to me? It was ten game in the season in the eighty nine ninety. I uh, torn the librium in my left hip and at the time they didn't do that surgery so my career was done right there um the hard part is you're so used to a certain time of the year when september came around you went to camp and 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 on and on so the problem was that during the season around 12 30 in the afternoon i was tired and i had to go take a nap just like you used to do when you played and wake up at four and then go play uh you miss the guys that that was the most thing that you, you know you're always around guys traveling having a great time doing what you love the most so uh, you miss being around your the players that that was my big thing for me we're talking to Pierre LaRouche uh, NHL legend Pittsburgh Penguins and Rangers and Canadiens and uh, so going through that process did you always say you know I got to get involved in hockey for the rest of my life when you, you life after hockey you said you definitely wanted to be behind the scenes and involved not really um after I retired I, I worked for a friend of mine in New York John Hamilton and public relations for the insurance company and we started uh doing some uh some charity work I uh 
my wife had cancer in 1979, and we could never had kids. So uh, what I did in New York, we started the uh, Taylor's Invitational Golf Tournament for prevention of child abuse. Uh, we did that for 25 years, uh, along with other stuff. And, you know, we got involved with Make-A-Wish and all that. And uh, when I moved back to Pittsburgh in 95, my wife is from here. Like I said, Mario bought the team, and uh, he asked me if I could do some work for him. And I said yes, and I've been with him since. It's been 15 years this year, and uh, it's been great. So what do you do for the Penguins? Uh, whatever needs to be done. Uh, I'm mostly um, I'm answered to him. He's the one that, you know, when he wants something done, he tells me. We talk about a lot of stuff. He asks me all kinds of questions. We, we talk about everything, and he's been a friend of mine for a long, long time. So uh, uh, he's like a big brother. Well, I'm like a big brother to him. He's my best friend. Uh, we really, um, you know, I've seen all his family growing up in front of me, and uh, it's been a great trip. A great trip for sure. Winning Stanley Cup, and especially with the Penguins, and seeing the years of the down times when you played for the Penguins. Uh, how exciting was it to finally see them win a cup? It was great. Uh, you know, you we're so we're so lucky and privileged in Pittsburgh when you look at all the great players we had over the years. Like you got Mario Jagger, and now we got Crosby, Malkin, Latang, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, we the the fans here have been blessed to be able to have some great teams, and uh, it, it was great to watch them. They worked so hard, and it's so difficult to win the cup in our days because the way the system is set up. Uh, you know, we I don't think we've seen a back-to-back -back team winning cup for a while now. So uh, uh, it's quite an accomplishment. It's very difficult. Uh, you got to play four, seven-game series, and uh, it's very demanding. And so, what do you think about the new team? What what is your what are your predictions for this year, especially the new coach, new general manager, and everything? Well, hopefully they will gel quickly. I mean, that's always the danger when you bring some new people in. Most of coach. Uh, the guys were used to Dan Ball's money. They, they, they knew all his routine, the whole thing. So, in a way, it's going to be really fresh. So, uh, the guys should be excited about that. Uh, I met him last night. Uh, Mike seems a great guy. Uh, I've known Jim Rutherford for a long time. I've been against Jim. Uh, great down the earth guy, really nice person. There's no, you know, uh, no air about him as far as like I'm better than everybody else, and that's very important. So, uh, I think we're going to be fine. And I think that, uh, the guys will be excited, and I mean, we still have a great new list. We're gonna have some new guys. We lost a few, but that's part of the, you know, the new era of hockey with the cap and all yeah. that stuff. But uh, I think we're gonna be in great shape. What I think what's nice about having a winning tradition with the Penguins now is that they're always getting to the playoffs. They're always competing, and for every year for a cup. And not every team in the NHL has that luxury, right? To know every year they can go all the way, and that helps. Oh. I'm sorry, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, sometimes you you get that a lot, and our fans like, you know, come on, we've got to get to the final. Uh, it's difficult to get there, but again, we, we give them a great product every year. Uh, our organization don't stop. You know, it's nothing to make sure with the products on the ice is great. Our president, David Morehouse, uh, you know, Mr. Burkle, Mario, they, they, they make sure that they put a great product out there, and they do. So uh, our fans are kind of like, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, we're going to make the playoff for our chance to win the Cup. They get used to it. They think it's normal. And uh, you take a lot of teams in this league that would love to have our team, uh, their team, I'm sorry, just to make the playoff one year. Forget about making the playoff every year. Exactly. We get spoiled with being the city of champions and winning all the time, especially with the Steelers and Penguins that – 
if we don't win the championship, we think it's a loss. But again, there's cities that never don't make the playoffs or have a losing tradition. So it's great the Penguins have a winning tradition. Now, Pierre, do, are you doing still some charity work that you'd like to tell our audience about? Yeah, uh, about 12, 13 years ago, uh, uh, my sister-in-law, Kathy Hall, my wife, and uh, myself, along with Yammer Yager, started the uh, Mother's Hope Foundation. It's uh, it's for cancer research, cancer for kids, helping the family that uh, you know, their kids uh, wind up in the hospital with cancer. Uh, a lot of people forget that most you know most families are not well off, and uh, you know paying for money for parking and food and all that stuff is expensive. And uh, uh, we've been doing that. It's called Mother's Hope Foundation. If you want to look it up on the on the internet, it's mother Mother's Hope dot org. And uh, all our money, 98, the cent on the dollar goes back to the charity. We don't, you know, we don't run something that people get paid to, to, to you know, anyway. But uh, it's a great cause. Uh, we also give money to Boisnia for the orphanage up there that, uh, that they had that war that really, you know, tore up a lot of families. And uh, uh, we had our first golf event this year. It went well, and um, it's a great cause, and I really enjoy doing it. So you look to do a golf event every year, Pierre? Yes, sir. All right, that's fantastic. And uh, anything else? Just working with the Penguins. Any other projects you're doing? We're, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff with uh, Make a Wish Foundation, the Pittsburgh Penguin Foundation. Um, and there's always something to do. Uh, and a lot of we have a lot of great foundation uh, in um, in Pittsburgh. Uh, we're actually last night I was talking to some friends about that. That uh, a lot of corporations in Pittsburgh now are just concentrating concentrating themselves. As far as giving money to local charity, not national charity, because we've got some great one here, and, and it's always great news for, for all the people that uh, run, uh, you know, nonprofit charity in Pittsburgh. So they, uh, it's difficult to raise money. So it's nice to hear that the the big corporation is going to keep their money here. I got. I'm so glad we connected on LinkedIn. Love to have you back on again the show to talk about during the season how the Penguins are doing and things like that. I know we'll have to do the morning interview, and that's perfect for our TV show. So, uh, where's the best place we can find you, Pierre? Is there a place? Just, just like that. Just my cell phone. Call me. All right. What about for our do. fans out there? Is, do you have a website or anything? Or nope. Sorry. <laughs> just not just, that savvy for social media <laughs> i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. you well i'm glad we connected and it was great talking to you and best of luck my pleasure to you have a great day all right take care now pierre okay bye-bye Bye. you're listening to neil haley's show and watching neil haley television show and we'll be back in just a moment We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and uh, what a way to kick off the show, Pierre LaRouche. And I didn't know for, for a fact that Pierre uh, was working for the Penguins. That's what's the fantastic thing of being a member of the media. You can connect to people like him on LinkedIn. I've had some unbelievable people I connected on LinkedIn, and hopefully they will be willing to be up in the morning when we do uh, tape uh, the Neil Haley Show uh, for sure. Now... What was really interesting about Pierre's career that I didn't know, and that's what's so great about uh, getting to interview them, is let's look at specifically, he didn't just play for the Penguins, and he was with some winning teams. 
Wikipedia does not do Pierre LaRouche justice at all. Uh, two 50-goal scoring years, a 48-goal scoring year, a bunch of different things, a great career. But I think the interesting thing is how tight he is with Mario, how he's working with Mario and the Penguins, and how really the Penguins have been become his team. And as you see in different golf tournaments or different things, he definitely is a Penguin. Now, your thoughts about the Penguins. Last year, I was glad to bring up things because a lot of us are fair weather friends when it comes to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. We say, oh, you know, uh, they didn't win the Cup, so it's a, it's a wasted year. Well, think about the times when I was a kid in the 1980s, uh, early 80s. We're lucky uh, to just go into a playoff, to get into the playoffs, and once we did, and we would lose to the better teams. We are always competing. It's quite interesting what they're trying to develop there. And uh, I, I, I really feel in so many ways uh, that the Penguins will continue to always have a great team. I think that they can't peak during the regular season. Hockey's such a long season. And they really have to have the right toughness uh, to go forward and win that Stanley Cup. What do you guys think about this? And I think Pierre is excited about this and quite interesting to see talking to somebody uh, as powerful as Pierre on our show. And we're going to have some big, big, big guests uh, coming up. So what do you think? You could at Total Tutor tweet me. Do you feel that the Penguins are going to have a great season next year? I don't know. I think that their window, especially with Crosby's uh, head injuries, is not a, it's a short window, especially when the way we're studying concussions and different things like that. And we have no idea if Malkin is going to be consistent or inconsistent. What's going on with our goaltending? All those different things. And I'll have to bring some certain sports people on to talk about it. It's not a sports show, Neil Haley Show, but we can talk about so many things. Now, what are your thoughts if we're going to continue sports today about the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> Every time we think we're getting on the right track, we're not going to have any bad press on the Steelers. What happens? We have another issue, the Blunt Bell issue. And I definitely want to address that one. The thing is that the situation is that we've heard far worse things happen with players. And we don't know what the suspension is going to be, but what is it going to help? How is it going to help the Steelers' morale? Think about the year with Roethlisberger when he had his charges or other things going on off the field. We just, like, I think Roethlisberger had a motorcycle accident in one offseason. We have to watch these things for sure. The Steelers have the right team offensively to do very well this year. However, are they going to be able to be consistent? on a regular basis. This is no longer Cowher's team. This is Mike Tomlin's team. And if I watch the first game of the year and see that Ben Roethlisberger is not running a no huddle, the game has changed. I'm sorry, Art Rooting II. I know I've interviewed you and you're the one that wants to keep it steel or football and running the football. Well, that's not the way this game works. You play the Broncos, they're going to run 80 plays, 75, 65 plays a game, are throwing the ball three, four, five yard, your, um, outs. Just because Seattle was able to win the Super Bowl, and what are your thoughts also about how now they're going to not allow the defense to do certain things? It reminds me of the days of when they eliminated Stickham when the Raiders won the Super Bowl. Uh, 
I forget the the guy's names, Jefferson and different people. They all were wearing stickum. They all had stickum all over them. And after they won that Super Bowl against the uh, green against the Philadelphia Eagles in the '80s, so those are the things. I believe we got to run that no huddle, and we have to run it all the time. We need to score a lot of points. And with Bell and Blunt, what a great combination. But maybe not the best combination when it came to Blunt. Why Bill Belichick let him go? If Bill Belichick thought this guy was talented, and I remember him running the ball, and he'd run 90 yards down the field for touchdowns and break tackles, you say, wow, the Patriots finally do have another great back. Well, they got rid of him as fast as they can. So they saw that cancer. So what's happening in the offseason that the Steelers aren't looking into the past of certain things? So what are your thoughts about the Steelers? I think a playoff appearance, they'll win the division, but going any further, they could possibly go to the AFC Championship, but it's going to be the Broncos all the way. The way the NFL has changed their uh, game plan, the way they've decided to allow offenses have more power, Already, you've heard it first. The Broncos are winning the Super Bowl. Well, Jason, the public school guy, says I give the worst predictions in the whole world. So let's see if I'm right or wrong about that one. And we're going to definitely have some NFL players on the program. I definitely want to get Andy Russell back on. Andy will give us a great perspective of the Steelers. And who knows who else. And hopefully the Neil Haley Show will be able to go on location to some of these events to talk to some of these fascinating uh, great uh, people for sure in the NFL. Like I said, the defense is defense. People can't look at defense this year. You're going to see a ton of points. So fantasy football players get re- fantasy players get ready to go. That's one thing I don't have the time to do anymore. But I, I really enjoy fantasy football. It's a lot more interesting than baseball. But I think we're kind of curtailing, making things worthwhile in so many ways. So the Pirates now. What's your thought on the Pittsburgh Pirates? My thought on the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you can't spend money, especially like the Cardinals do on a regular basis or other teams put more money into baseball, look at the Dodgers. The Yankees just have fools running their front office. But when you see the Red Sox, the amount of money they make. The Pirates will go to a certain point. They possibly will have a wild card game. But are they going to win that game? And you're seeing so many different things happening with the Pirates and their pitching staff and all these different things that we should have addressed some holes going to the trade deadline. And, you know, everyone was so high on Polanco. Well, he wasn't ready. We wanted to bring him up quickly. And look, the bats got on fire. Now the pitching's not doing as well. One thing you have to credit is Clint Hurdle. If you had the same type of team as last year, then you'd say, okay, it's, it's the system. It's not the system, it's the players. Well, it's a different team than last year, and they're still winning. I consider winning, even if we don't make the playoffs, winning. I remember the days, the, we, don't even had it. we didn't even have a baseball team. Uh, so a lot of places you can go on my website, tolltutor.net, and check out all the different sports interviews of unbelievable stars that I've interviewed, and check them all out. I'm looking to put them all and post them on YouTube, and so that you can check out all the great individual interviews of different athletes. NFL does the best job because they have the best, they do the foundation work. They have the shortest season. They're very easy uh, to talk about for sure and things like that. Now, baseball, I can't make any prediction of who I think is going to win the World Series. 
because again, it's going to be a team that's hot at the right time, have the right pitching staff, right hitters, and we'll have to wait and see about that one. Any thoughts on it to any uh, players you think are going to be breakout players when it comes to the NFL? All those different things we will be talking about on a regular basis. One thing I am going to definitely do, and I, I really had a, a fantastic conversation with uh, Sam Clancy, and Sam hopefully will be coming to the studio. So we're not always going to have call-ins, but uh, Sam has already said he wants to come down to the studio. A lot of opportunities for different people to come, but what do you think of Pitt? That is going to be, as Dave will find out, that's something that drives me bananas, the Pitt Panthers. Are they going to win this year in football? Are they just going to be 6-5? and five? The firing of Wanstad was absolutely the most asinine thing that the Pitt Panthers would ever do. You have somebody who has NFL pedigree, that understands NFL players. You have them practicing in the south side. Then we hire a coach from Wisconsin. I don't think he's going to be the man. He's the game. What Wanstat was doing was preparing players for the pros, and uh, I think that I would have been happy with eight and three, nine and two seasons every year. We didn't have to win a national championship. Now we're going to lucky to get a bowl game every year. Basketball. I absolutely love the Pitt Panthers basketball team, but they disappoint in the tournament. They disappoint in the tournament. They disappoint in the tournament. And I'm hoping to have Carl Krauser come on the show and talk about specifically what he thinks of the chances of the Pitt Panthers. So every week, the Neil Haley Show will focus on a variety of areas. I talk sports and say, well, how's this guy go from education? We are going to be talking education issues, but it'll be mostly theme-based shows and really excited to let our audience and broadcast families understand across the world that we are going to be able to be picked up on many other channels. Just go to TotalTutor.net if you just picked it up through via YouTube. YouTube, it's just a phenomenal resource in so many ways. And uh, next week, fracking. And uh, I, I just don't know what I think of this. I mean, people that are making money have a lot of land. And is it really helping the economy? We have to figure out ways to get people back to work. We can't constantly have people on unemployment and different things like that. So we'll discuss those uh, political issues as well in so many ways. So we will be back in just a moment to, fit it, to close everything up. You're watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Judge Ron Arnone and Judge Guy Rushenthaler present The Darker Side of Technology with cybercrimes expert James Deal. Wednesday, September 24th, 7.30 p.m., Bethel Park High School Auditorium. For information on the event, you can go to Ron Arnone District Justice Facebook page and you can learn more details about the event. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. For more information on me, you can go to my website, TotalTutor.net. You can follow me on Twitter, at TotalTutor. You can connect with me on my personal page, Neil S. Haley Facebook, 
and all the other areas or TotalTutor.net. Excited about next week's show. Excited about the guests that are going to be coming up weekly on the television show. So I hope everyone has a great week and tune in next week. Good day, everyone. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets. Celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Tell me when we're going live and I'll send her a text. Okay, we're going now. We're going live now, but I'll, but I'll tell you when I share. Okay, we're live, guys. Here we are live. I'm with, uh, I'm excited, guys. Welcome again to the Neil Haley Show. We're going to talk about policing America. And my guest is going to be a really good and interesting conversation because I'm going to ask questions that maybe people are afraid to ask a former law enforcement uh, agent and former DEA agent. And this guy's very interesting. So I'm excited to welcome Larry Forletta. Larry. How are you? And uh, I tell you what, uh, it's it's tough, you know, sometimes, you know, being one person who carried the badge and, you know, wearing really bleeding blue to dealing with what you're dealing with today, isn't it? Right. Just kind of just to say you were a former police officer, you know, a former DEA agent in, in this in environment with just how toxic it's almost reminds me of what happened in teaching when they really went on attack on teachers years ago because of test scores. Yeah, that's right, Neil, and, and thanks for having me on your show. Um, before we get started, um, I'd just like to remind everybody that this is National Police Week. Uh, May 18th was designated by President Kennedy to honor our fallen uh, and injured police officers throughout the country. So I, I, I usually ask uh, the good citizens in their community because I know that the majority of the citizens in this country support law enforcement without any question. Uh, you know, there are some radical extremes, but uh, at the very end of the day, they support the law enforcement heroes. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I'll be happy to discuss further all the current situations that are taking place in today's world. Well, it's, it's controversial, Larry, completely. Talk about this, right? It's a controversial topic to talk around the water cooler. If you're saying you're a pro-police officer, you're saying, how could you be pro-police? And if you're anti-police in certain conversations with other people, you're considered. So it's just straight down the middle. If you're pro-police or anti-police, which is too bad because they're the people who are protecting us. Without a doubt. Um, and I think uh, for the most part, like I said, I believe that the majority of this country support law enforcement. Um, I don't think uh, 
you know, with, with some extreme elements, but when you go back and you look at some of the, even the poorer communities, they also want law enforcement there. They need the protection, uh, just like the people who live behind the pearly gates and have their own private security. So I, again, I think that on a positive note that most people support uh, the people in blue. And you can see what's happening now. There has been a, a, a denigration. Law enforcement officers are retiring. They're leaving some of their departments in droves because of all this negativeness. And when you look at the big picture, the negativeness has been created by the news media. There is a lot of distorted facts that are out there in today's world. There are definitely distorted facts. And why are the distorted facts? So let's just give an example. I'm going to go to areas that are the biggest hot button issues. And the way I try to do that is because I just, I have to talk about this. One is about specifically enough, why should we no longer pull over people who um, just, just normal stops? Why do they want us to continue to stop people without having, you know, they're breaking the law in some sort of way to stop pulling people over that whole push that's happening now? Well, I have to say this, that the police don't pull people over for nothing and for no reason. The most of the time when someone is pulled over, it's usually for some type of traffic violation. They just don't arbitrarily. And, 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 and I can't say that for everyone, but I would say that the majority of the police officers that are out there patrolling the streets every day, if they are pulling somebody over, it is for a traffic violation. And that's probably one of the most dangerous aspects in law enforcement is a traffic stop. You know, there were some comments made uh, by a mayor in, in, in Minnesota saying that, you know, we should have social workers uh, actually pull over people. Um, the mayor, what he should do is get in the car with his police officers and ride with them just to see how dangerous uh, it really is. No, absolutely, because it is dangerous. This is a dangerous job. Explain what happens, what, how you put yourself on the line each and every day as a police officer. Well, let's go back to the traffic stops. So usually when you're pulling a vehicle over, you don't know who's inside of that car uh, unless the car was involved in a commission of a crime. So you walk up to the car as cautiously as you can, because typically they're asking you for your driver's license and registration, insurance card, et cetera. And they're trained to, uh, you know, hug the car to a certain extent. So their body is not fully ex exposed in case that driver or even a passenger may have a weapon. Uh, and that's a lot of police officers are shot that way. So in, in, in those types of stops, you try to go as cautious as possible. Now, another dangerous issue is executing search warrants. That means knocking on doors, breaking doors down, going into the bad guy's place. Let's say it's six o'clock in the morning and they're executing a search warrant, you know, especially on the drug warrants, because that's what I did for a living. They're some of the most dangerous people around. They all have weapons and we know that they have weapons. This isn't, uh, you know, some fairy tale or some, you know, uh, Hollywood episode where the cops are kicking the door in and they're shooting unarmed people inside of a, inside of a house. That's pure fallacy. 
Oh, it's absolutely fallacy. And so, and I just see what you guys go through. What about the whole process of talking about defund the police? What are your thoughts on that? Well, as I told, as I mentioned, you know, about the people that live in those pearly gates, you know, those people that are pushing the defunding of the police have really no concept because they live in a different neighborhood. They don't live in some of the poorer communities where crime is out of control. They have their own gates, their own private security. So they don't have to worry about the issues of the uh, criminals taking over. And that's what the criminals are doing now. They are taking over our streets. You just saw a shooting in, uh, in uh, New York. Uh, and so you saw uh, this individual, he went on a wild spree at Times Square. He started shooting randomly. He hit a little girl, uh, a female officer went to her aid. You know, that female officer carried that little child for over a mile before she could get some help. Uh, she ran, wow. ran to the hospital to assist that little girl and, and probably help save her. That That's crazy. I mean, seriously, to think about, you know, just the, the amount of time. You put yourself, choosing to become a police officer. So you're saying if there's a defunding of the police, then just basically people are not going to be protected. They're going to, they, you need police to keep order and without keeping order, then the criminals get to, to be the ones that control the streets, not the police. Well, you saw what happened this past summer, all the cities were burned, they were looted. And, uh, you know, you know, after a while that, that gets old, you know, they're destroying statues, so there's more than just somebody out crying because they've been they've had some issues with law enforcement. There's there's more of a radical element. And then when you see people breaking in these stores, helping themselves to Nikes and all types of uh, you know washers and dryers, they're there for themselves. And that's part of the criminal process of them breaking the law on an excuse. So and and I'll give you an example in in Minnesota. Uh, where, you know, that's unfortunately with this kind of this thing sort of focusing um, and even maybe before that with the Ferguson effect with Michael Brown. But going back to Minnesota, when they took this issue up, they were all for of defunding the police. So now they want to refund the police. They're trying to bring more police back in. And so what the, what's happening is because the Minneapolis police department is we're losing so many officers. They had to rely on outside local and sheriff's department outside of outside of Minneapolis to come and help the Minneapolis police with calls. So that's kind of where the defunding doesn't work. And we saw that in, in, and we're seeing it in Seattle. We're seeing it in Portland. And finally the Portland mayor, he decided to wake up. Uh, and, and know now that Antifa and groups like that are there to destroy the city. Could you imagine if you were a police officer in Portland? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be there uh, because I'd have to leave. You know, when the politicians don't support the police, they give that nod and a wink to the criminal element that it's okay to do what you want. It's happened in New York. I mean, it all, if you remember, they started throwing water on cops in New York City. That was only the beginning of their uh, be bad behavior when they started doing that. 
And so now they took advantage of that situation. The mayor that's currently there, and I know a lot of people from New York that are praying every day when he leaves, and hopefully by next year, I think his term's up. But I do know some NYPD officers, and they can't wait till the man leaves because he's created such a bad environment, a dangerous environment for the police there. You know, you're assaulting a police officer, and you're right out the door. Before they had, you know, cash. Now there's no cash bell. So they just, it's like a revolving door for these criminals. The criminals know that they're getting away with it. And now you're going to start seeing all these candidates for mayor are going to come under a law and order candidate. I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican. You're going to see that change because it has to change. New York will never be able to function in chaos. It's such a, so large. And it's not, you can't just decide, okay, New York City, run on your own. We all know at times of, in the history of New York where it wasn't very good policing and how it was not a safe environment to be in when it got dark in New York City. Right. Well, that was back in the 70s when it, crime was out of control like it is today. And back in the 70s, David Dinkins was the mayor of New York City. It wasn't until when Giuliani came in and changed the whole character of New York City, making it a safe place. And so when you create a safe environment for citizens, they'll come. They'll come to the city, you know, they'll whine, they'll dine, they'll go out because they know they feel safe. And they know that the police, especially in New York, are just about in every corner. And that's kind of the way that NYPD has operated. But I can tell you, Having worked with some of the NYPD guys over the years, uh, I, I still think that uh, they're demoralized uh, and this situation politically for them is really bad. No, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's a tough situation. Now we talked about defund the police. We talked about specific things. What about these police executions that are happening? Why aren't they being covered enough? Well, that's the problem. There's the news media again. They distort one side of a police officer shooting and killing a uh, citizen, but you don't see it on the other, on the other hand, you know, just uh, we're, we're probably maybe close to 200 law enforcement officers being killed this year. And here we are in May. And now we're, we just had two, four officers killed within the last 24 hours, two in California and two in Texas. Oh no. I didn't see, I didn't even know about these things. How, how awful. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's terrible when you begin to look at it. And that doesn't even include the number of assaults, whether they're shot at or injured or wounded or attacked and beaten. The, the officer down in, in Delaware was beaten to death. You know, that doesn't count quote unquote assistance right. for, for a weapon, but still those are all the issues that, that take place in, in law enforcement. There's, and I tell people, look, there's, close to 800,000 police officers throughout the United States. They make 10 million arrests every year, okay? When you look at the shootings averages, they are like 0.2% of injuries to uh, civilians. It's very small. However, when uh, uh, you see the news media, they, they just blow the whole thing out of proportion. Because that's way they get ratings. Of course. Oh my. So, I mean, just kind of listening to this, these executions are happening. This did happen after Michael Brown till again, uh, president Trump 
became president of the United States, then that stopped for a bit. Now it's on, on, on a rampage again. Right. Well, when you have leadership uh, that doesn't support the police, like the previous administration did, uh, that's, that's the nod and the wink to the bad guys. And that's why you see what's happening right now at our border, that it's being overrun uh, by foreign foreigners coming into our country. So what do you think of, let's say they just completely got rid of police altogether, would it be military in this country if they decide just we don't need to have police anymore? Well, you would have, uh, you potentially could have the military patrolling uh, and taken over. Uh, I don't think we ever want to go there. Just uh, see what's happening down in Venezuela. Uh, I work some investigations down in, in Guatemala, and I can tell you the, the the military was very powerful in Guatemala, and even to that extent, they had a civil war at one point, and the law enforcement counterparts that I worked with down there were still afraid of the military because they had all the firepower, and they sort of controlled uh, the streets. Uh, the military is not uh, you know, designed to be law enforcement. They're there for another reason. When you have these conversations, uh, to friends, different people, does it sometimes hard to have these conversations? Well, no, not really. I, I think, uh, you know, most of my family and friends, they're all supportive of law enforcement. Uh, and you try to explain to them certain circumstances and certain situations. And, you know, let's face it, uh, every uh, walk of life has somebody that does something bad and wrong. And the police are no different. The police are human beings just like anybody else. And yeah, there are bad cops. I put some in federal prison for being involved in drug trafficking and leaking information. Uh, so yeah, the bad ones go. And I can tell you, the good ones, uh, applaud that because they don't want them to be part of that. And I, it's interesting. You said those conversations are not heated, but if you had those conversations or you would just not get involved in them. So it does frustrate you watching the news and hearing all the bad things or the protests. How do those protests make you feel as well, a police officer? They said they want dead cops. Yeah. Well that, you know, that kind of started what we call the Ferguson effect, uh, you know, when Black Lives Matter started their chants about killing the police, you know, killing the pigs, um, that uh, was to me, that kind of set the tone for the next few years after that, uh, after Ferguson. And that whole Ferguson thing was another misleading, misinformed, and bad information. You know, the investigations were done by different agencies, including Department of Justice. And nobody ever came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, he put his hands up and got shot, which is a complete falsehood. Um, so the, the investigations showed a different uh, story than what was out there uh, was out there by the news media. You know, the hands up, don't shoot. That became a narrative. Uh, and, and it's a false narrative. Interesting. Yeah, we all you know that was the one. And then again, looking at these different ones and that just create that narrative. I think that, um, you know, the way we can get back to normal with police officers is how, how can we kind of bring the police relationship back to the community to understand that 
they can get back together, which is not an extreme either side. What do we well, need to do? Well, I, I think one of the things, you know, now that uh, Congress is involved in trying to rectify some things, um, I think eventually it'll all work out because I think the communities want the police there. Um, and the one thing that people don't understand about law enforcement, they do adjust to changes. Because when you look at history of law enforcement back from the 50s and 60s to where they are today, it's, it's changed dramatically. And, and I think for the better in terms of training and, and things of that nature. So most police departments are community-oriented police departments. They reach out to the community. And uh, the other misnomer, um, in the large metropolitan areas, a lot of minorities uh, are in law enforcement. Uh, you have minority mayors, et cetera, and uh, the minority uh, law enforcement personnel, they're all over the country. Uh, so in, in big cities, because you know, you hear about systemic racism and things of that nature that's always being put out there. Another narrative that's being out there, that's, that's another false narrative. So having community instead of police than the police, what would happen there? saying that we just need to no longer have police officers. We just need to have community people unless it's a serious offense. Well, you're going to have vigilantes, that's for sure. You know, they're going to take up arms. Uh, there's groups out there now. Uh, I think they were out in Minnesota. You know, they were calling themselves public safety or something to that effect. Uh, they, they even had a video showing them shooting on a range. And uh, that's a lot to be desired, watching them shoot on a range. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you hear this old saying, well, you know, why didn't you shoot the guy in the leg or why didn't you shoot him here or shoot him there? That doesn't happen. You're, you're there to, if you have to just, you know, discharge your firearm, you're always taught to shoot upper mass because that's right. the biggest target. And it doesn't say shoot to kill it, shoot to disable somebody. So that the threat will stop. So people that are again, cause I'm sure again, Facebook, you know, they're hiding this video. So when you do make sure you make comments and tell me what you think of Larry's points. Uh, like I said, he's all straight on this thing, but if you're anti-police, tell us why you're anti-police. Yes, we know there are bad cops as there are bad teachers, as there are bad firemen, as there are bad, bad everything. So we cannot look at a few police officer and make, and make it that they all are bad because again, and so there is a history thing, and this is a history lesson that I'll take you on, and I'm sure you heard this, that African-Americans believe that police officers were created based on catching, capturing slaves at one point in time. So how do you respond to that when you get to that level of a conversation about how policing needs to be completely changed based on what they used the police for back in the day when they first started? Well, Back in the day, when you talk about policing, they were used for different, different things. Um, and not just black Americans, but I can tell you Italian Americans, they were treated differently in New York. Uh, they were also incarcerated and hung uh, on, on different occasions. So when you look at a history in Pennsylvania, for example, like the Pennsylvania State Police, as an example, they were really formulated because of, of coal miner strikes. That's how they were formed, which is now the oldest state police organization in the country. But each law enforcement entity was created for whatever reason. Uh, but that's how it kind of started. 
and, and so there was that protection element. And then there was the personal protection element where politicians were using them for their own personal gain. So it's just almost a narrative. So I yeah. guess we got to cover our next week when we do this, we're just going to cover some specific articles that are happening or certain things on the police and just go deeper into that this was just kind of an overview of what we've been hearing in your response but then based on a news event that happens regarding the police or something else out there that some idea harebrained idea that comes up we're going to talk about that we could talk about anything involving uh just even stories of you as a de agent and all those things because i think they'll end the time they think that authority and discipline are wrong because that's what teachers lost that a power sure. teachers lost the power to discipline so now they're going to allow uh police officers you go to other countries you at you fall in line they're not going to follow uh read you the miranda rights they're just going to no. go ahead and just beat the heck out of you and throw you right in jail in mexico right oh absolutely yeah i i uh i actually taught some foreign law enforcement uh officers and uh they always made fun of, of the American justice system about Miranda. They have no idea who, who Miranda was or is. They, they take completely control of any chaos and they just throw people in jail and that's just the way, way it is. Now, people in this country probably don't even know Miranda rights. They know Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's who they know, <laughs> not Miranda Whites. Okay, so the best place we can connect with you because you are a private investigator and there's a place to go right now to learn more info on you. Where can we go? Well, my website is www.fcisllc.com. That's probably the best way uh, to find us on our web. And comment, guys, because again, if we would put this out in the group or we would put this out somewhere where you know what people would go because they, isn't that awful that content gets hidden unless people comment. So if you comment on this and say, Larry, you're wrong, you're off base completely or right on Larry, then more people are going to see it. Share it in groups, share it everywhere. Appreciate it, Larry. And we'll talk again next week. Same time. All right. Thanks Neil. All right, guys. Again, that was the Neil Haley show special uh, talk with Larry Fuletta. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.